Okay, can I just say up the top, I'm not rapping. That's all right, fine. I'm just going to do no one. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, uh, it seems to indicate it as being a largely dignity-free enterprise for me, but yeah, I'm not going to... I don't think I can manage a rap. Fellow monitors in the fourth dimension, and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy. He's Mike, I'm Emma, and oh my god, somehow we've got to 100 episodes. <laughs> well, kind of, sort of. I think we've probably done a bit few more than 100, but this is technically our proper 100th episode, so yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, thank you for listening, if you're out there listening. <laughs> um, but we thought the best way to celebrate 100 episodes is to go and have a look back at the show which inspired the name of this show, which is The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. And actually, we've picked pretty much the right time of the year to do it. This mm-hmm. was the Christmas episode 29 years yes. ago. Yes. That's, yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> Which we totally planned it that way. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. we did. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, all according to Keikaku. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I just, I, I normally would say to you, so where do you want to start? But I think I want to start by saying up top, this is a wildly underrated serial. Yeah. This one kind of gets lost in the mix of the overall tenure of Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, I think. It really does. It kind of hardly gets talked about, like you say. Mm. But, I mean, I haven't seen it for a long time. Going back and watching it to refresh my memory for this, this show is great. It is. It's a great little four-piece here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there, obviously there's criticisms to be made, and I think obviously we will we will come to them. But normally when you get these kind of ensemble pieces with a lot of do- other characters and mm-hmm. on a weird planet, I mean, because we watched Sharda the other day. Just, yeah. I mean, they're not very alike stories. But Sharda, in the new format they put together in, because there's no episode breaks in it, so it's just like watching, you know, the movie sort of yeah, thing. Um, but after a while, it just sort of feels like just a random set of things which happen. If you see what I mean? <laughs> they just sort of end up at a different place and so, and then a different place again. And I mean, because. With Sharda, I mean, I think because I'm used to the audio of it, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of other factors there. But Great Show could be like that, you know. They they yeah. go from one problem to another people with another problem, and then they end up at the the place where the problem originates, and then it, the problem explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it feels it feels like it feels tense, and mm-hmm. it's emotional, and mm-hmm. everyone's really good and it's yep. got a great underrated villain mm. actually well the sort of the b villain you know the gods of ragnarok are a bit wishy-washy uh. but the the chief clown is uh. one of the great underrated villains of doctor who mm-hmm. ever yeah oh, he's yes. never going to get on anyone's top 10 list but it's a crying shame because it's i say i think if there's a criticism of great show in the galaxy is that there's people who are far too good at their job mm. in minor parts yeah. Um, uh, chief among which is the chief clown, as played by Ian Reddington. He's so good. He, I know you want to talk about him because I know you love him. Yeah. In this. He's so he does so much with so little, mm. and it's just the way he he does it. You know, he has the sort of sort of dual personality. It's like the public version, which is very sort of high pitched and you know friendly and all that, 
but then in private. And you get a lot of this duality with, like, sort of the three people in, in charge of the Psychic Circus, you know, apart from the, the um, quote-unquote sponsors of the Gods of Ragnarok. You've got the Ringmaster, you've got Morgana, and you've got the Chief Clown. Um, in private, he's got this sort of very sort of hoarse, husky voice, and um, even things like his gestures... I mean, obviously he's got that like famous one that he does like sort of when Bellboy like commits suicide in part three, but also the things like when he points to the hearse when they're chasing after uh, Mags in part four. You know, it's very sort of it's very theatrical. You know, you can tell like he takes his job a step beyond. Yeah, and again, like when he's like switching voices when he confronts Ace about. Um, flower child's earring that she's found and pinned onto a jacket which creates a bit of a continuity problem sadly uh mm. due to how the series uh series as a whole went out um and he starts off with the face of well, where did you find that earring and sort of ace is like well, what's it to you <laughs> he says well you know tell me where you got it <laughs> <laughs> um i think the makeup really helps him as well mm-hmm. in this yeah. because Doing because it's sort of that exaggerated smile, the kind of the you know you want to say the Joker bit mm-hmm. from from Batman is is kind of the easiest comparison to some extent, but mm. like um, it kind of helps that clowns are not to be trusted no. from you know for for anything. So you already have that built in fear already, and then you get because the chief clown kind of embodies everything that. I think everyone suspects about clowns mm-hmm. that on the outside, you know, they're all like, lovely. And then all, they could just turn on you and murder your face off at any second. Yeah. The Pennywise effect. Yes. Well, um, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, actually it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and obviously it also helps that, you know, his underlings are all robots. So, you know, yes. there's the sinisterness of them as well. They don't speak. They just sort of, like, go through the motions, as you will, which is a lot more creepier than sort of, like, if they were all humans. Yeah. Well, what was quite interesting was I was listening to the commentary that they they said on the commentary that all the, the masks and moulds for the for his of minions... His, yeah, of his face. Are his face. Yeah. So it sort of expands on this idea that they're parts of him mm. rather than just kind of miscellaneous bozos that you have in, yeah. you know, making up other sort of baddies, entourages. Um, an idea I kind of wish they'd gone into a little bit um, more. Uh, but Yeah. I mean, I think when you sort of like look over the plot as a whole, there are sort of bits you think, you probably didn't need that, but you could expand on this and it would have worked just as well. Mm. I mean... I think the the gods of Rack the gods of Ragnarok are a bit complicated for me because yeah. I like the idea, but I think it's because obviously you get the big reveal of them in part four in the last half of part four, so they don't really get. I mean, they do like get to be like sort of like the the peanut gallery, as it were, in mm. the form of like the dad, mum, and the little girl, um, and that's cool. Obviously, the, when you get into like the dark circus bit. Um, yeah, they're not as great, and they've got a few naff video effects to sling around at the doctor. I know it was it was cool. It was cutting edge at the time, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's 
I know. It's just one of those things of I think when you, when you the further you get from it, um, something that I've said before about Doctor Who is the sixties and seventies seem okay, but the eighties is dated quicker than anything else mm. in the show ever. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's just unfortunate that yeah. it looks like, especially with the setting, it looks like the video from Ashes to Ashes. <laughs> David Bowie. Yeah. Um. um but I mean, I, I kind of I like the the concept of the dark circus and you know they held these gladiatorial games and the fact that the gods of ragnarok sort of have this desire to be entertained but they sort of like just feel they don't like understand it yeah all this they're just demanding more yeah like they don't understand why they want it they just want more of it Mm. um it unfortunately, I think it, it mean they're a little bit hard to distinguish from the guys in Enlightenment. Yes, see that actually, in that, that respect. Yeah, that might not have been so bad actually if there'd been some like rogue Eternals or something instead, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've always kind of I've always liked in Doctor Who the idea of them having sort of horror cosmic. If you see, what I mean, mm. what I, what I like so much about Forty Two, yeah. you know, the things about just things that are so big and so powerful and so beyond even the comprehension of the Doctor, mm-hmm. um, and the Gods of Ragnarok are kind of going that way. Yeah, but they're kind of too small time almost in that they're sort mm. of like you say in, in just a, in a circus on a sort of random planet. Yeah, you. Um, you kind of wish there was kind of a bigger hallway sort of, again, you wish they sort of gone into a bit more maybe, that mm. there's sort of a bigger thing. This is just one element of it. This is just one part, the part that we can see in this dimension or something. Yeah. And um, I think actually as well, um, I think there's later on, they sort of did try and link them in. Yeah, apparently in the new new adventures, they oh. try and um, link them in with into the Cthulhu mythos. Mm. Um, That's a new adventures for you, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, that was all consuming fire, which I think it was a, the PDA. So it was actually the new adventures were saying um they created the land of fiction from the mine robber. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the that's All the, things are connected. Yeah. <laughs> that's the weird thing about like the stuff like the new Doctor Adventure the new adventures and the PDAs, they always like try and sort of have this sort of bizarre out of control cat's cradle of trying to link everything together and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um I suppose well, that's probably a good jumping in point to sort of talk a bit about um, Andrew Cartmel mm. and the, you know, the Cartmel master plan, in inverted commas. Something that I think we nearly always talk about when we get to the Seventh Doctor because yeah. um, one criticism that he, that he was quite vociferous about on the commentary was right at the end of the story when you have the Seventh Doctor doing all his magic stuff. Mm. And he's like, I'm supposed to be putting together this dark doctor. And here he is twatting about magic in eggs and, you know, doing doing sort of, you know, escape artist stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to make him a badass, essentially. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, I, I don't... I, I'm fine, like, with the dark doctor and all that. But yeah. you need to balance it. And there's nothing better the way the Doctor does, like, Dispatch with the Gods of Ragnarok, he's basically buying time so he can, like, get the medallion. And it, it's... I think this is, like, really so, so much, like, Sylvester McCoy's Doctor. It's it's very light-hearted, but you can tell underneath that he's, like, like he's working on something or he's just, like, is, again, like I say, buying time. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the narrative does help you by having Sylv sort of look at his watch very pointedly yeah. several times. Um, <laughs> but, it, I mean, just sort of knowing what you know about Sylvester, it just feels a little bit, you know, like in Next Gen where they'd have Gates McFadden do dancing because Gates McFadden mm. could do dancing. Yeah. It just feels a little bit like that because Sylvester is, you know, a skilled, you know, illusionist and, mm. um, you know, sort of circus tricks and that sort of stuff. He can do all that. Yeah. And that's his, uh, that's his sort of what he was, he's good at. So that's why, you know, put his, put his skills to work in that respect. So, I mean, I, while I'm, I'm not criticizing it as such, I like it. I think it makes sense in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like this thing about, you know, the doctor is buying time, then fine. That's, that works with the narrative. But, um, yeah, I definitely feel like, um, there was, because Greatest Show in the Galaxy isn't the story. Th- this version of the Greatest Show in the Galaxy is not the one they wanted to make. No. The one they wanted to make is quite different. Mm. And if it wasn't for, for some asbestos, I think we probably would have got a not quite so good version of this story, the one they wanted to make. It doesn't feel... Yeah. I, it, I mean, because obviously we can only judge what we can see, mm-hmm. but the way that I've heard about the the actual direction they wanted it to go in... Yeah. It's it's not quite as exciting, I don't think. No, and and I think the whole asbestos scare thing really helped mm. this one because they ended up yeah. like pitching up this massive like circus tents on like the like the car park of Elstree Studios or something, which the BBC owned, mm. and. You know, it works because you've got, like, the, the cloth of the tent, like, billowing, and you like they've actually got proper, like, wooden floorboards. It's not it's, like, painted on a television centre. So you mm. actually do get the proper... And it really helps to the effect. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the cast can interact with it. You have, like, yeah. Ace cutting away through the side of it and, thinking, you know, going in and out of it. And it, it gives it a much more sort of organic and sort of, you know, um, dynamic feel mm-hmm. uh, rather than, say, running up and down. Because effectively, they do spend a lot of time going up and down this you know, corridor, essentially, yeah. it's made out of cloth. But you don't, not that you don't notice it, but it doesn't feel as um, obvious. obtrusive as when they do it, yeah, and obvious, as when they do it in a spaceship. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And yeah. again, like, if this, if, you know, the investors hadn't happened, and this had been filmed in television, I don't think it would have looked as good. No, I, I agree, and I don't think they would have they would have used because what something it's something you do which is quite modern. There are a couple of times where they go handheld and they're right in next to the characters. Yeah. So you know, there's a bit where they're following the Seventh Doctor and Max going down sort of a a wooden you know a, well a, sto- a cave sort of thing mm-hmm. towards where the eye is, and it's sort of right in handheld behind their heads. And, you know, yeah. it sort of adds to the danger and the excitement. And uh, they wouldn't have done that in studio because no. you would have heard heard them bouncing off the wooden floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it it lent itself. Funnily enough, it it's sort of one of those many, one of the many stories that some of these great pieces of work have come out of tremendous adversity. <laughs> um, which um, finding your studio is full of loose asbestos is uh, going to do to you. Yeah, um, and it's something that's like mentioned like on the commentary and like of the uh, main bonus feature of the DVD is this is actually one of John Nathan Turner's strengths. Like he did not want this to become another Sharder. So no. he kind of fought tooth and claw and said, you know, say what you will about JNT, but you know, you have to sort of tip your hat to his dogged determination. Oh yeah. He, he, he never quit. And hmm. it was, um, it was really, yeah, it, it sort of speaks to, you know, I think John Nathan Turner does get a lot of sort of deserved criticism, but hmm. his refusal to kind of, roll over and just let it go it's um 
yeah, uh, I mean, something that they talked a bit about the commentary actually sort of going going on from that about sort of when this when the show was being made and sort of how the the BBC was treating it um, because it's something that comes up and you know when we sort of talk about it the seventh Doctor era as it goes on. Um, it's always a sort of abiding feeling that, you know, the sword of Damocles was hanging over the show at this mm. point. But it doesn't feel like a show that's dying at all. No. No. Um, and sort of like they even like work this into the story itself because you've, you've mm. got sort of these three. Obviously, you've got like the gods of Ragnarok who are just sort of kind of like shoo-ins for like the, the viewing audience. You know, yeah. they're just sort of like watching impassively and... And you notice, like, their scorecards just, like, vary from one extreme to the other. It's either a nine or a zero. There's nothing in between. Yeah. Um, and, again, you've got, like, the triumvirate of the Ringmaster, Morgana, and the Chief Clown. So, like, the Ringmaster's kind of like the, the ones... They're kind of like executives, if you will. So, mm-hmm. if the Ringmaster, as long as, you know, there are bums in seats, you know, fine. We'll just keep plowing on, even though... Things are like looking against us. Morgana is sort of like the one who sort of like is trying to like say, hey, we should maybe do, be doing something different. But when backed into a corner, she sort of rolls over and goes, oh, you know, no, I, I was I was with you guys all along. You, you can see that in when they get dispatched by the, the gods of Ragnarok in part four. And the chief clown is just sort of like the just throw anything out there and you know, and it takes glee on whether it works or even, especially if it doesn't. So they can just like go, see, I was right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could definitely read it as an allegory for what was happening, what how people felt about mm. the people making Doctor Who on the ground felt about trying to keep it going sort of in the face of near overwhelming adversity. Mm. Um, absolutely. It's, yeah. And, and, it, yeah, and also it's like... Um, like happiness patrol before it there's this sort of like slightly like sticking it to the thatrites it's like era when mm. i think it's like the ringmaster says just as long as they keep coming and they will we're a success you know as long as it's generating revenue and regardless of you know whether people is like busting the backsides off to try and keep things going as long as they get the revenue in it's successful yeah it does feel like a sort of if you could sort of expand it out to sort of a general criticism of how, how things were in the eighties, mm. um, you know, dear old Mrs. Thatcher and kind of the whole idea of sort of streamlining things and yeah. efficiency and all that sort of horrible crap. It does, it does feel like that. Um, it, but it, I, I think something sort of else that dates it is kind of the. Um, the cast of, of zany character mm. sort of angle that uh, they choose to go with on this. Um, something that doesn't often work, actually, but sort of they make it work with this one. Yeah. Because um, I think so. The, the the miscellaneous characters, even though they're not in it for very long, mm. are quite impactful. Nord, for example, with the coolest <laughs> trike in the world. Yeah. And some great lines. Do you want me to do something horrible to your ears? Yeah. <laughs> He does come up a bit across a bit like sort of a, a villain sort of adrift from a CBBC um, sort of kids, sort of smaller kids drama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, the helmet, the bike. I mean, how can you not love mm. Nord? I mean, he's, he's great. And uh, the, the lady at the stall with disgusting fruit, uh, Peggy Mount, oh. who I feel like I'm I think in about 20 years I'm going to be. <laughs> 
Just put me in a tabard and a big hat now. I think. I think. I think that's my future. So, so people, uh, sweet corn and custard. Oh, oh that is minging. Yeah, that is truly uh, horrid. Was, I really, uh, Sophie Aldred plays it so well. She honestly looks like she's gonna yeah. chuck. You know. <laughs> that, well, I mean, yeah. I think there's not. Too, there is not too many two ways about it, is there? there really? I mean, that is honk worthy. Yeah. Uh, it's just frank, especially when you consider this. Like they filmed this like, like June or something, and it had like a mini heat yeah, wave going. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, it's hot, oh, and they're in a quarry. Christ, Ugh. who'd be Ugh. an actor? No. Who'd be an actor? No. It's, it's not so all horrible. Glitz and glam, red carpets and shit. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And but I do also really love T. P. McKenna's Captain Cook. Mm. He's such a git, isn't he? He's a bastard. Yeah. But he's kind of too good for this episode, yeah. for this part. Which, but I feel like they knew that because they killed him off and brought him back straight yeah, away. Yeah, right. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I keep forgetting the fact that he comes back as a sort of yeah. zombie. Because well, he's dead for about eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just like assume a... he's in it all the way, like normally, all the way through. Yeah. I mean, sort of. Captain Cook's kind of like a dark mirror to the Doctor. He's a lot more, like, he's a lot more self-serving. And when you think yeah. about it, he, he sends off like a supporting character to die in his place. I mean, where have we seen that before? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he does sort of come across. Actually, if you were really been feeling spotty about it, you could. I'm sure there's probably some schools of thought if they weren't very explicit about it otherwise that mm. there this some sort of time lordy. I mean, because he does have that sort of imperious. Oh, yeah. that the other Time Lords have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we, as being who we are, should have to talk at length about WizKid. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. um, yes, yeah, played by Jan Samarco, who at the time was best known as uh, being Adrian, Adrian Mole. Yeah, yeah. In the television uh, serial based on the, the books. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah... Um, well, I mean, the fact that you know, uh, you know, people, people involved in the show have said, you know, this isn't a Doctor Who fan parody. Mm. But when you've got someone like that who sort of <laughs> says things like it's not as good as it was before, yeah, and sort of listens rap to Captain Cook's anecdotes, yeah, and he's dressed quite a lot like the Seventh Doctor, yeah, just a little bit of like Eleven in as well, um, yeah. With the hair and the glasses. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. This guy's a Doctor Who fan, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. And the problem is, you know, when he says, you know, I'll never, never got to see the other days. I know it's not because you to be. He's actually right. You know, I mean, even like a lot of people, sort of, like going back to the Ringmaster, a lot of people sort of like go, oh God, the rap's terrible. And it is terrible. But I kind of feel like that's the point. Well, I mean, that's that's what it's... they sort of try and try and claim in the commentary. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like, unfortunately, it's a little bit of some a white person in the 80s trying to be <laughs> right on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um... But it's not it's not trying to commentate on rap as a genre or no. anything like that or saying that, you know, this is the only reason why we've got a black person in it. Yeah. I just feel like that they've they they, you know, wanted a person of color and they thought, well, what's what's contemporary and you know being kind of middle-aged white people mm-hmm. have kind of come up with this and it's not it, it while it is not very good it's it's sort of not intended as a, a disrespectful no. not very good it's not very good because it's commentating about the circus being pretty knackered yeah and out of ideas and that's, um, yeah that's the point it's it, that's the just point trying to like, it. keep it like 
like modern and you know appealing to yes. the youth as it yes. were it, it, it sort of feels like those sort of i mean because i mean we were obviously kids at the same time mm-hmm. being sort of children of the when, when sort of eight or nine sort of 93 92 93 mm-hmm. and they'd have you know kind of um you know they show you videos at school about staying safe in the streets and it would be something set to a sort of a shit rap or with like a boy <laughs> band in and you just want to just dig a hole and die because they thought well, what will kids listen to i know <laughs> Oh, well, it's like now, you know, I'm sure they probably have all the, you know, sometimes like on our local news, because nothing happens in yeah. our area, like in Look East. <laughs> Fence blew over today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cow escaped from a field, you know, we're still looking for it sort of thing. Um, it's, you know, they have to fill the time in with something. So often yeah. they'll go to a school and like they'll have, they'll have the kids sitting in a, in a, in a classroom being shown a video and you watch a bit of the video and it's all stuff about emojis and like people in their forties trying to pretend they know what Snapchat is. <laughs> and you, this hasn't changed, does it? It's just still the same no. as all the crap we used to show us. Uh, so I think that's just what it is, yeah. to be honest. I mean, I think that, um, looking back on it now, it's, it, 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 it does feel like that. And, mm. Unfortunately, you know, welcome, welcome to 1988, yep. um, and and sort of Middle Englanders trying to <laughs> trying to be down with the kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, it's it's unfortunate, but do you know it's it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh no, no, no. <clears throat> Doctor in distress. <clears throat> oh God, why did you have to bring that up? Yeah. It's so shit. I, I, I well, think one of the first dates me and Chuck went on, he pla- yeah. I never heard it. And this is when, you know, he had his car and he had like a, he still had a tape deck in his car. Nice. So he had, he had a tape with it on. Mm. And I was just like, what is this? I, what the fuck? It's so Did, bad. Didn't they try to make a single for the greatest show in the galaxy? Didn't it? it was like, it, I think they released and... a record. Yeah, yeah, they tried to anyway. Um, oh, it was, I think it was. It was Christopher Gard and Mark Ayres, wasn't it? Yeah, they the... they did release a soundtrack album in 1992. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's like I wrote like a like a song um, to like release um, through BBC Records, but they went nope. <laughs> I, 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 as I recall, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, I actually had T P McKenna uh, on um, rapping. Mm. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, yeah. good Lord. I don't want to hear it, mate. <laughs> My ears, please, um, don't ruin it with that. I'm not saying that it's totally on the DVD, but, you know, <clears throat> it's God. there if uh, you are a masochist. Um, so, but yep. yes, um, Wizkid, it's kind of hard to talk about him because he's really not in it that much. And what no. he is in it is really just sort of spotty, sort of... Uh, you 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 wished him. So it's well, um, just but, so. Mm. I think it's a little bit of dear old JNT getting names in um, mm. to to be in the show because, like you say, um, oh god, who played? What's his name? Yeah, so Jan San Marco, he was impossibly famous oh, yeah. uh, at this at the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, playing Adrian Mole, also getting in Chris Jury as Deadbeat because. Yeah. At the time, again, Lovejoy, which he was in, mm. I can't. Oof. You know what? As as a young ad, I mean, as a kid, we this how our house watched Lovejoy. Yeah. But 
everyone will look. I can't. Im- I can't explain to people why everyone in the nineties watched Lovejoy religiously. Because <laughs> for people who don't, who people who are not as old as us, and people mm. who are not from the UK, yeah. Lovejoy was basically about a bloke who's an antique dealer. Yeah. He was played by the bloke who you probably most people now know from Deadwood, who says the sea bomb a lot. Yeah. Um, and some other people, and it sort of had a. I mean, what was the point of it? They just sort of went around, and it was sort of him wheeler dealing, and I mean, it wasn't like he solved mysteries, was yeah. it? No, I was. I don't know why I always keep getting it mixed up with the one that had John Nettles in it. What was that again? What Minder? Yeah. No, no, no. That wasn't. No, it wasn't Minder. Uh, not Minder. Um. Um. Ah. Oh, it was. Oh. Christ. You'll get to Google the one that had John Nettles in it yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Hang on. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. So while 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 Mike is looking that Bergerac. up, yeah, I ca- Berger- Oh, Bergerac. Yeah. The boring one set on Guernsey. Yeah. The mystical faraway land of Guernsey. <laughs> yeah. It got hilarious. Um, Victoria Wood. Um, joke about it. No, it's Jersey, isn't it? Not yeah, Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jersey, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is a which is an island sort of closer to France than it is England, but it's part of the UK. Sorry, people who don't live here. Um, <laughs> it's it's it, Victoria Wood said, you know, she refuses to go to Jersey because they film Bergerac there. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why I always get those two mixed up for some reason. I don't. Well, because mm. they're basically the same. Although Bergerac solves crimes, ah. and Lovejoy just sort of. Solves antique crimes. No. And goes to auctions. It's really I, weird. But I can't explain to people. Everybody watched Lovejoy. Everyone. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like if Bargain Hunt was like a drama, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do we need to explain? Oh, I mean, okay, so, not Bargain Hunt. Okay, I mean... Bargain Hunt. Right. So Bargain Hunt Antiques Roadshow. We here in the UK have this sort of propensity, or certainly the BBC do anyway, for having just like random like members of the public bring in like some knickknack and then it turns out it's worth thousands of pounds and everybody's happy well i mean that does happen occasionally like occasionally every like so every few months or so mm-hmm. there'll be a thing on the news um about some old deers dug some to, out of a loft and um it's worth gazillions of quid but yeah because yeah, i think as this country's full of old shit yeah we feel the need to go and look at everyone else's old toot that's been handed down from generation to generation yeah. um so yeah that, the impossible popularity of bargain hunt mm-hmm. um of antiques roadshow i think antiques roadshow is is a multi-country format i think they have it in other countries as yeah. well um, I'm trying to but, think of like, uh, what, what, what would like the American equivalent be? Uh, what's, what's American it, Pickers. Yeah. What's that? Um, oh, what's that one with the guy who collects the toys? Guy that collects the toys. Yeah, yeah. He like buys them. He's like people have these garages full of like old toys, and he buys them for like a couple of hundred dollars, and then he sells them on for like stupid amounts of money but because, there's like, a few so, of them now there yeah. isn't there there's sort of the uh you know the um the ones where they go to people's lockups and yeah. um oh, yeah. storage the, those wars ones and, yeah storage wars yeah Stor- yeah and um yeah because when i was um when i worked at the the arcade we had, I had a little telly in my booth yeah and uh we could only pick up a few channels so i ended up watching quite a lot of uh storage wars <laughs> to um that show is uh pretty bad it is, yeah Especially when you realise that they seed those things full of stuff. 
But it was always good when you get like the the two obnoxious ones and they spend like thousands of dollars on this one thing and it turns out to be complete shit. It's like haha. Yeah, that is quite funny. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, um, wait, how did we get onto this? <laughs> Yeah, Lovejoy. Just, yeah, I, Lovejoy. It was more that I was boggling at the fact that everybody, everyone I knew watched Lovejoy. Yeah. It was the the Sunday night program. Mm. Um, I think because basically people are just sort of too comatose and de- depressed about having to go to work tomorrow <laughs> that they can't move. And there was only four channels. No, yeah, four channels. Yeah. So they were, um, you know, it's just basically Lovejoy or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so should we talk about Jessica Martin as Mags? Yes, let's talk about Jessica Martin as Mags. I love her. Yeah, me too. Actually, I think she's great. it's kind of a shame she hasn't like been back. I mean, well, actually, she, Jessica Martin has. She voiced the Queen at the end of Voyage of the Damned. Um, but like Mags's character, I don't know what it is. This seems to be this sort of vibe I got from it that maybe as if like Sophie Aldridge was leaving, they were trying like angle Mags into maybe being a possible replacement companion. There's, there's I. Maybe. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting, certainly. Um, well, yeah, I mean, because there were a few characters like that in, in the Seventh Doctor's run, isn't there? Yeah. That are sort of, you know, the young girls yeah. who um sort of plucky and um sort of run around with the Doctor and Ace and could could possibly be Ace replacements should Sophie Aldred not fancy coming back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's she's sort of one of them. Yeah, and I, I like that... She's although she's like quite a sort of stoic sort of girl. Like even just like the sight of like a, a moon shaped object can like set her on edge. It doesn't like fully kick in a, a werewolf transformation and like a proper sort of lighting effect does that. But like when she like you get the sense like she's like trying to like hold back her feral side, you know, yeah. times when she like snaps at the doctor. When he's trying, like, just trying to, like, ask her, like, are you all right? Just, like, shut up, you know. Um, and I quite like, like, the cliffhanger to part three, um, where she does transform and, uh, in the, the ring. Because it's some, like, pretty pretty good prosthetics, actually, for uh, Doctor Who at the time. You know, yeah. got the, the yellow contacts, you've got the fangs, you've got the yellow uh, slobber. And... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do quite like that transformation. Mm. Um, I think it's it's quite well done. I mean, it's not full tilt werewolf, but why do I say it like that werewolf? Um, but <laughs> werewolf, it's, werewolf. Um, it's 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 good, and they sort of cut it in and light it in a in a convincing way that mm. it's. Uh, and you're saying about oh, you know, if they're angling up to her to be a companion, what an interesting journey that would be coming to terms with her werewolf side, so yeah. to speak. Hmm. If I have a criticism as well of this story, it's minor, but the shit robot. Can we just talk about the, the shit robot? Very yeah, the robot is shit. But I, bit shit. I, yeah. Um, but there was one thing, like one of the earliest scripts that I quite liked, I kind of wish they had done, is while it's, it actually has a voice, it speaks, um, and while it's probably inside, it's like, hey, how you doing? Would you mind digging me out, please? You know, that would be lovely, you know, mm-hmm. thank you forever. And then the more you like, not bother with it, it starts to, like, go, right, you twast, you know, better dig me out, I'll you. You know, yeah. I, I think that would have been great. Um, but it does inspire one of the all-time great ace lines of, if this thing doesn't work, I'll kick its head in, <laughs> which is... <laughs> 
bashes it over the head with a shovel. That's so yeah. good as well. Um, yeah. I did quite like the bus conductor, actually. Uh, you kind of like forget that it's there, but mm. I think it's just like the chirpy voice. And it's, it does it is kind of like, it is goofy looking. And it has this weird sort of like, killer ticket machine um, but <laughs> it just i just like the it's the chirpy voices i like tickets please you know while he's trying to like crush his skull um yeah but i think it, it's quite slightly sinister in that it, mm. so it hasn't got enough facial features really yeah it just sort of looks like an egg with a face drawn on it yeah <laughs> yeah but it actually it's not terrible <laughs> No, it's it's not. I think it's just because it's sort of it's so weird looking, mm. and um, it it sort of it sort of does dive slightly into the uncanny valley of it. It hasn't got quite enough expressions to uh, to make you comfortable. Yeah. So it, your brain is just like no, reject. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of make me wonder. I mean, obviously, like Bellboy's circus talent is to build robots. Okay. Um, but like, where did the conductor come from? I mean, because I can't imagine it was part of the troop before they arrived on Saganac, so did the chief clown make him build it to guard the bus, or was it... Like, I think there was a line where it turns out that a lot of the robots that Bellboy built have been sort of, like, corrupted by the chief clown, like, kind of like the big one, um, like Dumbo at the end. Um, so I don't know whether, like, it had been, like, just one of, like, the more quote-unquote benevolent robot clowns, and then it got, like, repurposed or what, but it, it's... It's kind of, it's sort it's sort of, it's one of those sort of bizarre little things that eighties Doctor Who did. You know, it's it's like okay, this is right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the uh, underrated dark sides of this. Um, I mean, we talked a bit about they kind of Andrew Cartbelt felt like this was sort of there was a little bit of undermining of the Dark Doctor here, but it doesn't mm. shy away from a character straight out committing suicide in this story. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, especially when you, it like pans up slowly, pans away onto Ian Reddington, and he does that little f- smile and flourish, as you know, presumably Bellboy is getting crushed <laughs> under the hands of the robot, um, and I've, you've also got like the bits um, which actually I thought was rather well done between uh, him and Flower Child, who was directed by John Nathan Turner. Um, yeah, but actually, like they. They bring it right down. It's like actually quite quiet scene. I even a bit romantic, and it's actually surprisingly yeah. rather well done. Um, and then, you know, she gets off by the bus conductor, and then the next you see of her, she's a lifeless corpse is getting dragged away, and you don't even see like what yeah. happens to it. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's not. I don't want to say harsh, but it just kind of. I feel like that it's kind of a reality that maybe some some episodes would have shied away from mm. in the, you know, this is, this is a scary place and, yeah. you know, horrible things happen. And so here's horrible things happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think maybe other stories would have let you just not worry about that part. And you just sort of skipped it. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention about greatest show? Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, no, I think that's that pretty much covers it. Um, it. I would say that just such an underrated episode. Like you say, mm. it gets completely lost in the shuffle. Um, but it's got great villains. All the cast are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's one weakness. I think is that the the gods of Ragnarok concept is a bit wishy washy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it, you don't yeah. really it's a bit last minute it is a bit last minute you you do kind of wonder if there's sort of a better version waiting there where it's hmm. just the chief clown is the main baddie yeah. um but it, there's there's ever so much to love in yeah. it um Say, like I say, great characters, great actors, good ideas, cool guys don't look at explosions. Oh yeah, um, all all <laughs> sorts of fun stuff. So I would say definitely, definitely seek this one out. Mm. If, if you're not very, you know, not very gen up on Seventh Doctor stuff, I would say um, give this one a try because, as well, in terms of sort of Seventh Doctor and Ace, sort of not at the height of their powers, so to speak, mm. but with, with their partnership in full flow. Yeah. And it not coming with a lot of baggage with that for Ace and all that sort of thing. And not a load of, you know, oh, we're making the Doctor weird and mysterious and scary again. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with It doesn't come with with any of that. So you can sort of come to this fresh, not knowing anything about Seventh Doctor and Ace or anything like that. And just enjoy it as a, an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like feel like we haven't like, talked more about it, but it's actually one of the ones I would like recommend people check out. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not as like high up with the Seventh Doctor as like Remembrance or Ghostlight, um, but it's it's an actually really solid episode. Um, you just have to sort of like shrug your shoulders at some of the bits and go, "Well, it's the eighties, you know, it's the late eighties, so um, things do look don't look." particularly great but it all on the whole it actually holds up really really good mm. yeah so yeah this is kind of weird because this is our like i say 100th episode 100th proper yeah. episode so um what a long strange journey it's been so far eh? yeah it has um i feel like obviously i mean it sort of worked out that um the, the the doctor we've been mainly covering for this whole our whole life of our show is uh <laughs> now moving on and um so it does feel like you know maybe not that a sort of a one cha- maybe chapter one of greatest show in the galaxy has uh come to an end and chapter two is beginning next mm. because obviously we'll we'll move on as well with a new doctor and um we've got lots of interesting ideas yep. coming up i will say to uh to people who are out there listening, um, mm-hmm. I want to thank. I think want to thank really. It'll take a chance to thank every single person who's left comments, given us encouragement, interacted yeah. with us on Twitter and Facebook, mm-hmm. listened to the show, been on our show, yeah. had us be on their shows. Um, yeah. You know, we cut. You know, Rich for letting, giving us a chance and having us on the network and or mm-hmm. giving us a go when we sort of came to him with this cockamamie idea <laughs> of doing a doing a Doctor Who show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our hearts go out to you. We, we can't thank you enough, especially um, people who've been on iTunes and SoundCloud and stuff and give us likes and yeah. give us, um, you know, subs and comments and these things mean the world to us. So, uh, yeah. you know, thank you for the bottom of my heart, especially. Yeah. Um, it, it gives, it, it's, it's sort of when you, <laughs> it, it's lovely to know that you're making this to people who, you know, there are people out there who enjoy what we make. So, hmm. Yeah, and also I kind of like to give out a big shout out to Catherine Ludlow, um, who appears in Greatest Show in the Galaxy as the little girl, uh, the human version of the God of Ragnarok. Because I still remember, I mean, this was oh, God, back yeah. in November twenty thirteen, I think it was. Like this yep. was this was like before we actually started putting the podcast on SoundCloud. Proper. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Before um, it went out, we, we started recording it, but we hadn't. Yeah, actually... it, was, it was going up on simply everything first, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, and then it, it was just sort of like decided to like just put it out there. Um, but you know, she 
reached out to us and sent us well wishes and um yeah, there was a bit of performance anxiety since we've got uh, the thumbs up from the God of Ragnarok, so I think we've managed mm-hmm. quite well. Um... Oh yeah, I mean we haven't been <laughs> struck down, have we? I mean no. we're still here. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> 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 um, but yes, yes. A big thank out, thank you to Catherine Ludlow if you're if you're out there listening. Um, and again, just thanks to everybody who's you know put up with our nonsense. I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, um, sort of three names. I mean, obviously, I mentioned Rich, but Rick Tetro yeah. uh, of Star uh, Starbase and uh, Shane Thomas, mm-hmm. who have sort of been uh, faithful feedbackers and uh, appearers on this show. Yeah, um, yeah uh, we couldn't have done it without you, lads. Yeah, thanks, boys. Okay, so uh, let us know your thoughts about the Greatest Show in the Galaxy. You can email us at Greatest Show at simplysyndicated.com, uh, tweet us at Greatest Show Pod. Or you can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash greatest show podcast. Please do check out our many sister shows on the network. And as always, we welcome your support. The best way you can help us out is by subscribing to everything, where a monthly fee of just £6 gives you access to a library of podcasts, not only from the network's archives, but also to shows that are exclusive to the service. We also have a merchandise store that offers apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. We also have a Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And uh, wishing you all a very happy holidays. And we'll be back in the new year with our look at uh, Twice Upon a Time and probably a whole load of post-mortems to do. So... (laughs) Oh, gosh, yeah. So I would say if you've got any feedback Mm. about the 12th Doctor, any... I mean, sort of uh, what sort of just a quick glimpse of what's we coming up. So we'll do a show about twi- uh, twice upon a time, mm-hmm. and then we're planning sort of a great big um, discussion shows and retrospectives. So we're going to be looking back at Peter Capaldi as a whole. Mm-hmm. We'll be looking at Stephen Moffat, um, the whole the whole Moffat era, yeah. um, which may go over a couple of shows. Actually, we've got a lot to cover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, we'll be taking a look forward, sort of when we can, about what's going to be coming up. Obviously, mm-hmm. we don't know if things going to pop up in the meantime. We might have to do a show about that. Yep. Um, but I would say that uh, if you've got any thoughts or feedback or anything about Stephen Moffat specifically, Peter Capaldi specifically, anything about the 12th Doctor time, anything about the Moffat era, any sort of feedback around that area, do mm. send it in now so we can, because we're going to be putting sort of a few different shows together. So yeah. um, if you've got some thoughts or you want to see, I mean, obviously I understand a lot of people want to see Twice Upon a Time first and then mm. um, send something in. But yeah, do uh, do send us some stuff in, in you know, in, for January and uh, yeah, then um, we'll start putting together some of those big retrospective shows. Yeah. Yeah, get the water. we got a lot of work to do, yeah. boy. <laughs> yep. Well, that's for the new year, so we're off. Yep. Until next time, take yep. care and bye-bye.